All right, uh, let's shift gears today. Um, we are going to wrap up a sermon series we've been in for the last five weeks, um, and it's called Mine, because we are talking about our money and our stuff and the difference between ownership and stewardship. So ownership says everything is mine, uh, right? And I can do with it whatever I want. And many of us have lived our lives that whole way, and we've made some really poor decisions in, in light of that. Uh, stewardship is different. Stewardship says um, everything is not mine. Everything was given to me from God, and I'm just a steward of what he has given to me. Now, I'm not going to go back and review everything that we've talked about for the last uh, four weeks. If you weren't here, if you're coming in for the first time today, you're kind of jumping in at the very end, that's okay. You can go back and listen to those messages, or if you just missed one of them, go back and listen, because they do kind of build on each other. Uh, but today we're going to wrap up this series by getting super, super practical, by addressing um, some questions about what it would look like if we reordered our thinking or reordered the way we thought about our finances and started living like stewards and not like owners, right? Because most of us want to do that. We just don't always know how to do that. So I have eight uh, very specific questions that we're just going to ask and talk about today. With So let's just go ahead and jump right into um, question number one, uh, which is, where do I start when it comes to reordering my finances. Uh, so last week we said that for most of us, we spend everything that we make on ourselves first, right? We just spend everything we make on ourselves. And then if we have a little bit left over, we usually don't, but if we have a little bit left over, we save some money. And then if we have a little bit left over after that, we might give some money away. But then we said, what if we flipped the entire order? Right? What if we decided to give first and then save, and then spend on ourselves. And by the way, this wasn't my idea. This was a guy named Jesus's idea, right? He, had, he came and he said to his disciples, like, you're worried about all this stuff. You don't have to worry. If you just seek God and his kingdom first, then God will take care of all of your needs. And so that idea of giving first and then saving and then spending on ourselves, it resonates with so many of us but it's hard to know how to live that out, right? Because we've spent our entire lives spending on ourselves first. We have a lot of practices and habits that we need to rethink. And so let me give you two tips of how to get started and also two resources. Um, the first tip is to start by tracking your current spending, all right? You have to do an assessment of how and where you currently spend what you have. And you probably need to do this for an entire month. So you can take the next month and do it, or you can go back and look at you know, credit card statements or, giving, or you know, giving statements or bank statements or things like that. And you can figure out where you spent your money over the last month. How much did you spend on mortgage or rent or food or going out to eat or entertainment? Um, and then don't forget like one year big things, like maybe you pay insurance for your car insurance once a year in September. You need to take that one big payment and divide it by 12 and add that to your monthly spending. So figure out how much you currently spend every single month. Because if you want to reorder your finances, you have to know where you currently are and what you're currently spending. And then the second thing you do is to develop a budget. All right. Now, this isn't rocket science. You probably knew that that was going to be something we would talk about. But very few of us actually live by a budget. But if you want to start prioritizing giving and then saving and then getting your spending under control, then you have to get proactive 
in how you manage your money and the resources that God gave you. And the best way to do that is to develop a budget. Now, there's a ton of tools that can help you do this. Let me give you two of them real quick. One is called Crown Financial Resources. So you can go to crown.org, and there's tons of tools there. There's assessments to help you figure out how to track your spending. There's budgeting tools. There's saving tools. There's all kinds. They offer classes. They offer online classes you can sign up for. And we have utilized Crown a ton in the past here at New Denver, and they're a really great organization that can help you do a lot of these things. And then the second... It's called Financial Peace University. You might have heard of this. This is a class that's led by a guy named Dave Ramsey. And uh, there's, in fact, a class that's going to meet here this summer at New Denver Church on Friday nights. Um, Now, we're not organizing this class. We're not actually leading it ourselves. So if you go to that link, newdenver.org slash FPU, it will actually take you to their website, Financial Peace University, where you can sign up for the class there. But those are a couple of ways that you can consider getting started at figuring out how much you're spending and how to start developing a budget. All right? So here's uh, the second question we need to ask is, what about debt? What about debt? Right? Because this is huge. Most of us in the room have some sort of or a lot of different kinds of debt. So let me give you a few statistics. 75% of Americans carry some debt. So if you have debt, you're not alone. You're part of the majority in the room right now. The average student loan debt is about $39,000. The average auto loan debt is a little less than $23,000. The average personal loan debt is $18,000. The average retail and credit card debt, which is really significant because that's usually very high interest debt, is $7,000. And then if you were to add mortgages and home equity lines of credit onto that, In Colorado, now specifically here in Colorado, the average total debt of a Coloradan is $147,465. By the way, we have the highest rate of all 50 states in the country. We are more in debt than anyone else. So let's give ourselves a big hand on that one, all right? Um, It's not very encouraging, right? Now we know, all of us know the problem with debt. It's summarized in a very ancient saying uh, from the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. It's this. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Right? So debt enslaves us. It's as simple as that. It hangs over our lives like this black cloud, right? It creates worry and anxiety. It it makes us wonder if we're ever going to be free, if we're ever going to have to stop paying this debt and this interest. It, It keeps us from being generous or being the kind of stewards in the ways that we want to. It keeps us from changing our perspective. And so if we're ever going to change our perspective from being owners to being stewards, we have to deal with the issue of debt. And that leads to the third question. How... Do I get out of debt? And I actually have three answers for this one. So first, uh, you just have to make it a priority. You just have to make, like, it's, it's a decision that you make in your mind and your heart that I need to get out of debt and I'm going to do everything it takes to get out of debt. Now, even if we set aside mortgage debt for a second, which is slightly different because mortgage debt is usually low interest And hopefully if you bought a good home, it's an appreciating asset, which makes a little bit of a difference, right? But most of us have all of the other kinds of debt as well. And they're still enslaving. Student loan debt, 
right? It's enslaving. Uh, credit card debt, auto debt, personal loan debts, right? We have to make it a priority to do everything we can to pay off this debt as quickly as we can. So it starts with a decision. And then the second thing is to simply get help, right? It's really hard to get out of debt on your own. It's hard to know where to start. It's hard to know how to pay off each amount. A lot of us have lots of different sources of debt. Do you put them all together? Do you pay this one first? Do you pay that one? It can be a really complex issue. And so for most of us, we almost always need some kind of outside help. So here's a resource you can use, christiancreditcounselors.org. This is an organization. They actually work with Crown Financial uh, Ministries. You can set up a phone call with them. They will work with you. They'll look at your exact situation, and they will help you figure out a plan to start working towards getting out of debt. Now, here's the deal. In order for you to reach out to someone else and ask for their help, you have to get past your pride. Because there's something in all of us that says, I can figure this out. I don't need to go to some website or talk to some counselor. I can figure this out. And I would say, no, you probably can't. You wouldn't be in this situation to begin with if you could figure this out. right? You would have gotten out of debt a long time ago if you knew what to do or how to do it or had the willpower to do it. So you have to go get past your pride and you're going to have to ask somebody for help. And um, if you don't know where to turn, come talk to me. You can talk to one of our pastors. We are not debt experts, so we will find somebody that will help you figure this out. But we are committed to doing everything we can to help you in this area if you need the help. Um, one more thing when it comes to getting out of debt. Uh, sacrifice spending, not giving or saving. So it would be easy to think that I cannot give or I cannot save until I get out of debt. You just said it was a priority, Norton, so I'm going to make it a priority. I can't give or I can't save to get out of debt. And I don't think that's true, and I also don't think it's wise. Because the bigger issue is not debt, it's your perspective on money and finances of an owner versus a steward. And so we all need to start living out new practices and new habits right now that reflect a different perspective. And so even if it's a really small percentage you're giving, even if it's a really small percentage that you're able to save, if you begin that practice now, don't wait until you get out of debt, begin that practice now, it will set you up for success in the long run. And by the way, um, it's not like giving and saving were the problem to, get to begin with, right? It's not like you were giving so much and saving so much and that's how you got into debt, right? The problem was spending. That's always the problem for all of us. And so that's where the sacrifice needs to come. That's where serious changes need to be made. That's what got you into debt to begin with. So you might have to decide for the next six months, I'm not going to go out to eat. Right, Because going out to eat is expensive, and I could make food at home, and it would be a whole lot cheaper. I'm just going to go out once a month you know, uh, for some special occasion. Or maybe I'm not going to go to Starbucks anymore. I'm just going to make coffee at home because I can make really good coffee for $0.40 cents a cup instead of $4 a cup, and that would save me. 
Or maybe you have to look at some of the big ticket items, right? That's where you're probably going to get the most help in getting out of debt is thinking about how much rent you pay or what your mortgage looks like or, or, or your car that you drive. Uh, I know someone who recently sold their car, right? Because they realized, I'm still making payments on this. It's a pretty nice car. I could sell this. I could buy something older and more used. It wouldn't be as cool. It wouldn't be as nice. But it will get me around just fine. And it will go a long ways towards helping me get out of debt and get in a more financially stable place. So make it a priority, get some help, and sacrifice spending, not saving or giving, all right? All right, let's talk about something different. Uh, Question four, when it comes to giving, how much do I give to the local church and how much to charity? So let me give you three quick answers to this one. Um, First, uh, it's important to give a percentage of your income away. It's not necessarily about a specific amount. We discussed this last week, so I won't go into depth about it, but the Bible actually gives a number of examples of people who gave 10% of their income, of everything they received, away, and they made it a priority. Now, you don't have to do it that way. That's not a rule. That's not a mandate. In fact, there's a lot of examples of people in the Bible and people today who give way more than 10% away because God has blessed them really financially, and they realize they can actually be more generous, right? But picking a percentage is the best place to start. Uh, Second, um, giving to both the local church and to charity can be really good. All right, There are examples in the New Testament of people doing both. There's examples of people giving to the local church where they supported the ministry of the local church. And there's examples to people giving to meet needs outside of the local church. Now, they didn't have 501c3s back then like we do today. There weren't charities that existed like that back then. But there are examples of people giving to the poor, giving to people that are suffering in famine, giving to people that are suffering by needs. And so giving to both of these things, to the local church and to charities doing good work, can be really honoring and really good. That said, here's the third thing I would suggest. Prioritize the local church. Prioritize the local church. Because theologically speaking, um, the church is the primary instrument of God's kingdom work in this world. Right? God is doing work in a lot of great ways and through a lot of other organizations. But the church has been around for 2,000 years and it will continue to be the primary place where God is doing His kingdom work in our world. And then really practically, the local church It's your community. It's my community. And whenever we give of ourselves to our community, whether that's our time or our attention or our gifts or our talents or our presence or, yes, even our financial resources, it means that our hearts are invested in that community. It means we are participants in that community. We were not made to be spectators or to just be attenders or to just be consumers. But when you don't give yourself to a community, whether it's in your time or your talent or your treasure, it's really easy to just slip into being a spectator or just being a consumer. And this is why followers of Jesus need to prioritize giving to the local church. Now, uh, let me be super clear. I know it can be hard to give to the local church when there are a lot of examples of churches 
being really poor stewards of money, okay? There's a lot of churches that have made bad financial decisions. There's churches that pay exorbitant salaries to pastors and to staff. There's churches that do dumb stuff. There's TV preachers and prosperity preachers, right? And all of those things, it's really understandable that many of us are hesitant and skeptical to give money to the local church. And so as a result of that, here at New Denver, we have tried to do everything we can to give you confidence that when you give here, it's something that you can be confident about. So we have an elder board made up mostly of lay people, and they oversee and they approve our budget and our salaries and all that stuff every single year. We have a stewardship team made up of all kinds of financial experts. I am not one of them, right? And they track all of our finances in detail down to the penny every single month to make sure that we are being really good stewards. And when it comes to giving, just so you know, I don't even know what anybody gives. None of our pastors do. We decided a long time ago it would not be helpful for any of us to know what anyone at our church gives except for the person who walked up to me last week and tried to hand me a check. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not the money person. Don't give it to me, right? But we don't want to know because we don't want anyone to give out of guilt or for any other reason. We want people to give because they're simply excited and they want to just invest and participate in what this local community is about. All right, next question, question five. So how do I decide what charities to give to if I want to give to charities? Um, There's no right or wrong answer here. Uh, Find charities that are doing work that's near and dear to your heart. Um, They don't have to be Christian charities. There's a lot of charities that are not faith-based that are doing really good work. Um, I do find that uh, when a charity does share my faith or my values, I'm a little more excited to partner with them because I know we're on the same page. So that might be something to think about. Um, More personal is better, meaning like more local is better. A charity that you have a personal connection with, that maybe you've met the staff there, you really understand their mission and their vision. In fact, maybe you could even serve there apart or beyond just giving money to that charity. I think there's something really important about that. And it's not wrong to give to the Red Cross or to give to World Relief or one of these big global uh, relief organizations It's just that there's rarely going to be a personal connection there. And giving in the New Testament is usually about where our hearts are. And so when our hearts are in it, the giving is going to be more meaningful and it will be connected to our everyday faith. Um, One more thing. There's a great website. It's called charitynavigator.org. So you can use them to help you learn more about charities. So if you're thinking about giving to a specific charity, just plug them in. And uh, they have all the charities listed on there, and they will tell you as much as they can about that charity's finances, how they steward their money, who gets paid, all those kind of things. Um, And that can be really helpful because some charities are not great stewards. And so it's good to find charities uh, that are. Question six, um, how much do I save for the future? Um, And the answer is, in your personal situation, I have no idea how much you should save for the future because all of our situations are really different. And so wise and thoughtful saving for you might look very different than wise and thoughtful saving for me. And so this is where a financial planner can be really, really helpful. 
A financial planner can help you determine what you need to be saving for in the future, what needs you might have, what kind of saving plan to come up with to address those needs, what kind of investments to put those savings into. In fact, uh, putting together a financial plan, I think it's for everybody. It's not just if you have a lot of money. You might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't have much money, so I don't even know why I would talk to a financial planner, right? But I think everyone, regardless of whether you have a little bit of money or a lot of money, whether you have a ton of debt you need to deal with or just a little bit of debt you need to deal with, everyone should talk with a financial planner because putting together a financial plan for what you might need in the future and how you should save towards that, it actually gives you a ton of peace. It means you don't have to worry about those things anymore. It means you don't have to wonder if you'll have enough. It means that you can actually be more generous with what you have been given. Because um, for some of us, the danger is not saving enough. For others of us, the danger is saving too much. It's hoarding too much. It's, it's getting to the end of your life and having all of this money that you never did anything with. It's, it's missing the whole purpose of why God blessed you to begin with. So bottom line, if you are not personally qualified, and that's probably most of us, um, find someone who is, who can help you develop a good plan uh, for what thoughtful and wise saving might look like. All right, two more quick ones. Uh, question seven, how do I talk about money with my kids? Um, well, you talk about it early, as early as you can, right? There's not probably an age that is too early to talk to your kids about it. You talk about it often, and then you model it. You model it as a parent. See, I learned what generosity and stewardship look like because my parents taught me but then more importantly, they modeled it. Like I saw them be good stewards and I saw them be generous and they showed me the model of what it looked like. And we want to help you with that. So we've put together um, a guide. You probably, if you're a parent, you were handed this when you walked in or you got it when you checked your kids in this morning. If you didn't get one, just let us know. We'll give you one on the way out. But it's just a simple guide to help you figure out how to talk to your kids about money and finances. And it's really simple. It just walks through giving, saving, and spending and helping them begin to think about those kind of things. So we hope that that's helpful for all of the parents today. And then last question, uh, question eight. How do I talk about money with my spouse, my other kid? All right, joking. Um, and by the way, if you're uh, not married um, or if you're not a parent, then you're off the hook on these last two, right? You can continue to enjoy the simple life that you have. Um, but if you are married, um, you probably know that money can be one of the biggest sources of stress and conflict in a marriage. Now, it would be a whole other sermon to talk about how to navigate this, and we're not going to do that. We're going to wrap this up in just a second. But I will say, you have to talk about this stuff with your spouse. You have to assess your spending habits together. That's not something for just one person to do. You have to come up with a budget together. That's not just for one person to figure out. Right Now, one person might be better at numbers, and so maybe they're going to lead that discussion, but it's got to be something you do together. You have to be on the same page about debt, and about giving, and about spending. And if you're not on the same page, you have to figure out how to get there. You work with a financial planner. Maybe you have to meet with a marriage therapist or a marriage counselor. It's just too important of an issue to say, well, we just don't see eye to eye on how we spend money, and that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's always going to be. No, 
That's a recipe for disaster. Maybe not immediately, but over the long haul, it will create more stress, more conflict, more distrust, maybe than anything else in your relationship. So don't neglect working through this in your marriage. Okay, let's close uh, today with the same, it's really the same challenge I gave if you were here last week, and it's this. Would you, for the next four months, order your finances like you really believe that God can be trusted with them? Right? I mean, if we're willing to trust, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're willing to trust your soul with Him, you're willing to trust your life with Him, you're willing to trust eternity with Him, can we also trust one of the biggest areas of our lives that we often keep him out of? Can we trust that to him as well? And it might mean making some big changes in the way you've done things in the past. It might mean getting some help, even though that's not always fun to ask, right? It might mean signing up for a class. It might mean going to therapy. It might be, mean having some really intentional conversations about what your habits are or have been and what they need to be. But would you give it a try? Would you trust God with it? Because I deeply believe if you will, if you'll trust him with it, you will be blown away by how he will get involved in your life. Let me pray for us. God, we do want to um, trust you with our lives and... um, I know that for many of us, there are parts of our lives that it's hard to trust you with. Um, And so especially this this thing called money and finances and wealth and stuff and possessions, uh, we've just managed it mostly on our own our whole lives. And so God, I just pray that you would help us to know how we can give that over to you, how we can be the people that you've made us to be, how we can experience the kind of life of abundance and blessing and peace that we know you want us to experience. God, we want to give it all to you. And so whatever we need to do to do that, would you give us the courage that it takes? I pray this in your name. Amen.